Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Bear Down, Bears fans, another episode of the Chicago Bears podcast is underway. Pat the Designer, Jonathan Hood in the building, and we actually can hear him this time. We had him on last time, and the audio just sabotaged you. Jay. I was saying nothing, so no one missed anything there. Um, but hopefully people will be able to hear me. The reason why is because I put on this Bears polo because I knew I'd be on the very popular uh, Chicago Bears podcast with my guy Pat the Designer. So I put on this polo because I was on, on a great podcast. And the other reason is wash day. So it's wash day. Yeah, yeah. It, it was available. It was la- last thing in the pile. <laughs> we do got to address this though. For everybody who listens to Cabin J Hood on uh, on the radio, which everybody should. I, I was listening in to Crosstalk the other day. Yeah, your, your impersonation of me a little it needs a little work, but I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, <laughs> uh, name name the best Pat the Designer impersonation. Uh the Ex- best exa- Pat the Designer exactly. impersonation. I think that the, that would go to you because it's the only one. That's exactly right. And by the actually, way, actually, you know what? I can't say that. My wife's got a great one. My wife's dominant. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> actually, you're welcome. I know, that, I know that eventually you're gonna get there, but let's just cut to the chase. You're welcome. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. I do appreciate the shout out live on the air. Yeah. It's just like he's like he's like he's got like the Muhammad Ali hands. You do. You do. <laughs> I told people don't look you directly in the eye because that's that's what you do to stars. Hey, man. I'm just trying to grow out here. I'm just so, trying to. I'm, I'm just a squirrel trying to find a nut out here, man. That's my goal out here. Take that however you want. Let's get into the podcast, though. We got a lot to talk about on today. You're, you're welcome for the extra plug, but go ahead. <laughs> Appreciate the plug. Appreciate All the right. plug. Uh, Mongo McMichaels is uh, Steve Mongo McMichaels is now a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame. Should he have been there? That's where we'll start this thing off. We've also got. One of the most interesting stories to get to, because according to PFF, Matt Nagy is a top 10 offensive coordinator in the NFL. I will allow pause for laughter from all Bears fans everywhere. Thank you very much. And uh, we're going to finish this thing off looking at the Lions schedule and talking about kind of where they are going to finish this season. Will they be above the Bears? Because it is Lions week. All that more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. And my God, leave the five-star review because I love reading them. I had a guy leave a – I believe there's one on there. I don't know. He may have changed it because I said it on the pod. It was a five-star review that was like, it's Bears. I have to give it five stars, but the glasses are killing me. Like, I was just like, all right. All right. I can't be mad at you. Yeah. As long as you leave the five stars, whatever. Leave the five stars. Say whatever. I'll read some of them on the air one day, honestly. Uh, let's jump into this, though, Hoodie. Mongo and Virginia McCaskey. We talked about Virginia a little bit yesterday on the pod, but Mongo and Virginia both going to be semifinalists for the Hall of Fame. What took so long with this hoodie? That's really the angle that I'm coming from. You look at his numbers, 95 sacks over his career. He's 77th all time in sacks right now. Top 100 is crazy in the NFL based on how many players they've been. Four seasons above nine sacks in total and a Super Bowl champion. And we're just now getting to him being a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame. What is taking so long to get Mongo in the building? 
You know, that's a great question because it's been a question that's been asked for a long time. The 85 Bears team, offensive line, defensive line, is the most complete team that I can recall in, you know, in my lifetime as a Bears fan. Mongo always was a Hall of Famer. He was great at Texas, definitely deserved to be in the College Football Hall of Fame, and he is. But you cannot have a Hall of Fame in which you look at the 85 Bears and say, yeah, only a few of those guys really made a difference. No, Mongo made a difference as well as a defensive lineman for the Chicago Bears. So there's no question that this is well overdue. I'm hoping that he can be able to get the nod. Uh, if he gets it posthumously, I think that's a, that's criminal. Yeah. I really would like for him while he's alive, and, and God bless him, he's still with us. Um, uh, I would love for him to know while he's living that he made the uh, Football Hall of Fame. Regina McCaskey is a, uh, another story because people will say, well, look at the one lost record. Look at the Chicago Bears over the years as she's been presiding over it. You never see her. Point is, though, it's a woman, Pat. It's a woman that's a, an owner of a National Football League team. We have to be able to look at that differently than we look at all the men that are owners in the NFL because she, uh, after George Hallis passed away, she was able to preside over uh, this team. And so because she's a woman in this position, she deserves to be able to be in this special section of the Hall of Fame. I will tell you this, like as much as I want for, for Virginia and for Mongo to be in the Hall of Fame, one thing for sure, the Football Hall of Fame gets it right. It may not be when you want it, but it will happen. Think about baseball, right? You don't have the, the Cy Young Award winner, one of the great Cy Young Award winners in there. You don't have the hit king in there. You don't have the home run king in there because steroids or or because the writers didn't like a yeah. certain player or whatever. Um, basketball, everybody gets in as a public toilet. Everybody gets into the Basketball Hall of Fame. But the NFL – High the school league, hooper played three years. He's in. You're in, right? <laughs> But if for the NFL, they always get it right. And and so I think that at some point we'll see both of them in the Hall of Fame. I'd love for them to be alive to see it, though. No, 100%. And I, I think that's the part that kind of irks me is when you look at Mongo's stats, right, you start to see players above him when you look at the, the, the all-time sacks list, right? But they're players that played after him. There are players on that list that came after he had his great success, and they're going to be Hall of Famers. They're going to be uh, a first ballot Hall of Famers more than likely, right? And it, my issue is that we get to a point, I do agree, they're going to get it right. They're Mongo's going to get in. He's a surefire yes. Hall of Famer. We know that. But it shouldn't be we're having this conversation. I hate seeing the knock at the doors of the family because the player is already passed on or yeah. the player is now sick. And now we want to make this decision because we got to get it in so that he can see himself going to the Hall of Fame. It's like this should have been done. I'm, I'm 28 years old. Mongo has, has played hasn't played a snap of football since uh, for two years of my life. He played a snap of football, basically. Yeah. And, and, and you're sitting here telling me that this guy couldn't get in when guys after him are going to get in before him, when guys after him who have gotten more sacks than him are going to like this. Moments like this are a joke to me. I do hope he gets in. I don't know if you saw the tweet from Jared Payton where he was with Mongo when they found out that he was a semifinalist. Mongo's still smiling, still got that smile on his face. Yeah. Love to see that, but it should. this is too too long overdue for me, way too long overdue. Yeah, Mongo and I did a lot of uh, post-game shows together and some remotes over the years when he was you know, um, able to do so at ESPN 1000, so I got a chance to know Mongo and his wife uh, a lot better because we were uh, teammates together on the air. And so it's funny... You know, he never bellyached to me about the Hall of Fame. 
Yeah. Never did. He was proud to be in the uh, College Football Hall of Fame, but he never really talked about that because he understands how talented the Bears were across the board. Um, you know, just because Mike Singletary was a middle linebacker, yeah, he made some plays, there's no doubt. Um, but it doesn't make Mongo less than, you know, when we take a look at Dan Hampton, a, an amazing player for his years, for our young audience, make sure you go to YouTube and just check it out for yourself. If you, if you don't have the stomach to watch the entire games, I can understand because there's a lot of violence with those 85 years, <laughs> but if you, different sport. yeah, so if you want, but if you want to watch the NFL films clips, which you don't really get anymore, by the way, because they don't. The NFL doesn't want to be able to promote violence like they used to. But it's on YouTube. Watch how strong Mongo was. Yeah. Um, and, and so I remember toward the end of his career, right? He's taking on Barry Sanders, and I always thought that Walter Payton was the greatest running back I ever saw. But I also thought that Barry Sanders was the greatest runner I ever saw. If you ever saw Barry Sanders? Check him out on YouTube. Oh yeah, uh, Mongo and the Bears are taking on the Lions um, in Detroit. And Mongo is coming off the line and he wraps up Barry Sanders around the, the waist once he, he gets him twice. He wraps him up around the ankles three times and Barry still got past him. And the third time you can see it on film, Mongo waving his hand, like, forget it. Like, like as if he said, you know what? I tried to, to tackle you three times and I still couldn't get you down. And you can see on film Mongo waving his hand, like screw this. I can't, I can't get you. Like, giving up on the – not necessarily giving up on the play, but just exasperate. Like, I can't get this guy. Yeah. Uh, but he was colorful. You know, Mongo's always was a colorful player, but also a dominant player as well. And, and, and by the way, it doesn't stop there, Pat, because look at that offensive line. Jay Hilgenberg's down in the Hall of Fame. Like, there's a number of guys that really made a difference for the 85 team that also should be in the Hall of Fame. No, 100%. And I, I think the part that – here's what I always say, right? For every dominant linebacker, there's usually a pretty good defensive lineman in front of them. When yeah. you look at that 1985 team, the linebackers are in, right? Nobody's questioning any of the linebackers on that team being Hall of Famers. But there were a lot of holes opened up for those linebackers to make a lot of the plays that they were able to make. I mean, it's it's Mike Singletary might have had, not to say the easiest job, but he absolutely might have had one of those jobs where it's made a lot easier when you can just like see chasms opening up and be like, hey, there's a quarterback there that I can go kill. I didn't, uh, I, I got time. Do I have time for this? Can we get a sandwich real quick? I'm going to go get them. I, I want a sandwich when I get back. Thanks. Like that, those are the things that kind of, and, and it's the, how often do we talk about this, right? The unsung guys in sports, the guys mm -hmm. that make the superstars life easier, the guys that make the guy who's in the limelight's life easier. To me, that's Mongo here. I, I again, long overdue, but I, I mean, I, you've worked with them. You've spent a ton of time with them. Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite Mongo moment of just being around working with Mongo? Okay, I'll tell you one of the my favorite moments is when Mongo was coaching. Mongo coached the Chicago Slaughter uh, Arena League team. Yeah, at the Sears Center, and guess who played for Mongo? This guy <laughs> played for Mongo. This guy right here. So I, I so I suit up. I'm wearing 99. Of course, I'm wearing 99. I got to pull up that, that jersey, right? I mean, yeah. me wearing a single digit would look kind of strange, right? A guy that looks Especially like an one. Could you imagine that on me? That would <laughs> that wouldn't work, right? So I'm wearing 99, and I'm on the bench, and I'm supposed to be part of the special teams, and the game's close, and I'm about to jump over the wall to get on the field, 
and I'm, I got one foot up, and I got another one about to get over the over the wall to get on the field. And Mongo comes over and says, "Hoodie, not right now. Game's too close. <laughs> I had to go back. <laughs> I had to go back and sit on the bench because he thought that I would like cost the team like a special teams error, whatever it was, right? But I was ready, man. Mouthpiece in." Ready to go, man. Helmet on. I'm, I'm, I'm locked in. I'm about to jump off. Hoodie. Not right now, brother. <laughs> the game's too close. <laughs> too close. Can't, can't have you cost the game. Like, that was him, man. That's a great moment. Uh, I love it. I love yeah. it. And the funny thing is, if I'm not mistaken, if you Google Jonathan Hood right now, that picture's still on yes. your top images on Google of you in the Chicago Slaughter jersey. I am pretty sure, Eric, we need yes. to splice this in no. in whatever clip we can. No. It's still there. And see if we can find the footage of a hoodie one leg over the wall. I want to <laughs> see that more so than anything. Just like, <laughs> what, what, what do you mean, Mongo? I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> there is it. It is me in a uniform out there. Yes, um, playing for Bongo. Yes, but uh, yeah, he was great to work with. There was always scheduling errors with Mongo too, because you didn't think you'd see him unless it was just the just uh, during football season. Somehow we got together and we did a show. I still have the poster in my in my hood cave downstairs. Jonathan Hood and Steve McMichael broadcasting live from someplace during March Madness. Um. Mongo is not Dick Vitale, okay? <laughs> I, like so, the idea that he, you know, he goes, you know, Illinois is in the in the Sweet Sixteen. Illinois, that's good. Back to you. Like, he, <laughs> why was he working with me at some bar show for March Madness? I have no idea. But it, he was great to work with. Um, yeah. when for the time that I had with him for about two seasons doing uh, Bears post games. Gotta love it, man. I the NFL get it right. Get them in there. Get Virginia in there too. I mean, yeah. Virginia's a Virginia, like you said, is a completely different conversation. And the one thing that we always hear, and and whenever we heard this, that's when we knew change was coming. And it does tell me that listen, no matter what the Bears are, they do the family does care about the team. Whenever you heard mom's mad. Somebody's getting fired. Oh, okay. Hi. Everybody prepare. Batten down the hatches. New regimes coming in. Why? Mom's mad. <laughs> yeah. That's what George said. Mom's pissed. That's what he that's what he said. And so it's like, so you knew that there was change coming. And she really is Pat the White Whale. She yeah. is. Because um I can put on one hand quotes from um Virginia McCaskey over the last 30 years. Because, you know, you would think. You know, she'd be, you know, big pieces in the Sun-Times, Tribune, long thoughts on the Bears. Anytime that there was changes, wouldn't see Virginia. She'd be working behind the scenes. And so that was her choice. Um, but I always thought whoever got a chance to really sit down with her, long-form conversation about her dad, her family, yeah. running the Chicago Bears, I think that that would have been really great for the next woman that want to be an owner, right? Think about it. Virginia McCaskey with her long thoughts, long form interview about, hey, you know, I've been running the Bears and here's the the do's and don'ts and here's the thing that frustrated me. Here's what made me happy. But really didn't got that from Virginia. But yeah. again, still deserves to be in there because, hey, this is all about guys. This is all about men being owners in the National Football League. And here she is uh, representing as a woman. So definitely she deserves to be in. Absolutely. And and the, the it, we had Jason on and we had Greg Gabriel on yesterday mm -hmm. and just just talking with them about 
being around Virginia and they were like, she's the nicest person you've ever met in your life. Like she'll sit there and have a 15 minute conversation with you about life. And then like by the end of it, you're just like, Hey, she like, for me, I'd just be like, Oh yeah, you're a billionaire. Like I, I kind of did it when we were, at, when we were at a, the football uh, uh, draft party. Yeah. Uh, somebody, uh, I think it was Danny or somebody introduced me to George and I'm sitting there shaking hands with George McCaskey, and he's just like, hey, how's, how's it going? Good to see you. What do you yeah. do? You know, pleasure to meet you. I was like, I just shook hands with a billionaire. Like, what? Do, <laughs> how yeah. often do you get that opportunity? You know what I mean? Yeah. But the, the, George, the George is the closest to us yeah. of the McCaskies that I've dealt with over the last, you know, 30 years doing this because George was – George still – is hanging out with season ticket holders still out yeah. there, you know, with the barbecues before the game at Soldier Field. Like he was a guy that was close to the people that were buying the tickets. He'd be sitting in the stands. Yeah. So I mean, when he was hands off of the organization and not, you know, running the day to day, he was just like the rest of us, like a, like a, another boob out yeah. there with the with the you know with the barbecues and walking through the parking lot and even through these lean times. Still willing to go through. He's got that Letterman's, that Archie jacket, that Bears yeah. jacket, and he still goes through there. You got to like that because he's not running away. He can easily pull up in a limo, go through the side entrance, and be like, I don't want to deal with these people. No, he's front-facing, and I think that's good. He's, he's asking the same questions we are, Jay. Could you have gone back in that game? I just I feel like you could have gone <laughs> back in that game, Jay. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> to yeah. this day. To this day, he's still asking questions. Uh, can, can we can we bring in Cairo again? I don't know. Can we get Cairo back here? Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and you love the fact, by the way, that he's not afraid to say, hey, you know what? I don't know that much about the inner workings of day-to-day -day football as far yeah. as the roster and all that. Because, look, there's a number of people that you know, Pat, without giving names, that will be in these positions and fake it. Be like, you know what? I was given this position. It pays well. It gives me power. It gives me not. It gives me stock options. Maybe I mean down the line. But the point is, though, is that George knows what he knows. He's not trying to alter the roster or make changes. I like the idea that you put a Kevin Warren, a strong strong figure in there as the president of this team. He's got Ryan Poles, the guy that's learning on the job as a young yeah. guy. But Warren is a guy that's going to be able to help build the stadium. He's already done it with Minnesota. Just to, you take a look at that front office and it's like, I never thought I'd see the day. And it's yeah. happening under George's watch. Would you say it, it's weird, right? Because it's it's so funny. I felt like even with the lean times, and it's so odd to give praise to George McCaskey, but I have to. I sure. feel like George has heard us more than any owner probably in football hears their fans. I feel like George has heard the complaints that Bears fans have had and has made some changes with that, or even heard the stigmas about his team, right? Like, remember uh, before we drafted Justin, and, yeah. and you hate to say it, but it was out there that uh, the Chicago Bears don't want a black quarterback. And it was like, we, we drafted the first one. And then you find out that the Bears are leaders of the diversity uh, yeah. uh, um, collection that they have in the NFL now, and that they're the ones putting people in play. And it's like, it, George is such a, he's an owner that it does feel like, like you said, He's a fan as well, and he also knows his limits. When he was like, I, I'm just a fan. <laughs> Matt yeah. and Ryan are our football guys. <laughs> yeah, he's just a fan. He's just the owner. Yeah, I get that. You know, it's it's interesting because people will hear that and think that that's a negative or that's a sour tone. Like, why is diversity important? 
it's not just diversity in skin color, it's diversity of thought. Yes. Because the same thoughts have been in there for 20 plus years, 30 plus years, where it's the same people. And by the way, nothing says loyalty like Chicago across the board with our Chicago sports teams. I mean, <laughs> people have been in jobs forever. The point is that the diversity is not about, oh, got to hire a black, got to hire a woman, yeah. got to hire a Latino. Yes, that is important. But also it's important to have a diversity of thought. People uh, are from different backgrounds. They have different experiences. And if you've had the same experience and not been able to strike luck to have, you know, sustained success or world or, or Super Bowl championships, maybe it's time to hear a different voice or different voices. Yeah. And I'm glad that the Chicago Bears are at the top as far as the DEI is concerned. And on top of that, a diversity of thought. Kevin Warren is is like my my uh Kevin Warren to me is like my ancestors' dreams. <laughs> what do you think about it, right? He's at the top of the Chicago Bears. Yeah. For real? Yeah. Him? But but and but and again, it'd be someone else in the past, right? Be like, you know, he's a good football man. Well, bring him in because he's a good football man. No, Kevin Warren is a businessman, and he's worked at every single level to be able to get to where he is right now. And he's gonna help build a stadium because of his success. Yeah. And, and, and because he helped do that in Minnesota. So Diversity is is twofold for me. Does it matter if you're black or Latino or a woman? No. What matters also is to have different backgrounds where you have different voices in the room to be able to come up with, you know, at one consensus to help your organization. Well, even even right when you, when you talk about diversity of thought, even the fact that we had never hired somebody from the outside. <laughs> We had right. never hired somebody from a winning organization to do anything. We're getting first-time head coaches. We're getting GMs that have basically just been in the building. It's like, hey, Dave, Dave, what you got going on? You want to run the Bears? Cool, let's do it. I mean, like, yeah. there's, there, there's so much of that, like, starting off with Ryan Poles, going over to Kevin Warren now. Like, you're seeing guys from outside the organization who have come in and been like, we know why you guys were the laughing stock. We're not going to do that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I swear, I swear. I said this. I said, because uh, remember, George McCaskey came out with his list of coaches that he wanted. I said, Ryan looked at that list and was like, all right, appreciate you, George. Don't call any of those guys. Uh, so <laughs> we, we've got flutes on the line here. Yes. <laughs> call Dave you know, Don't call anybody on that list. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, I, I got a guy that can help us get from A to B and maybe B to C. We'll see. B to C is going to be the question. Let's hope we get from A to B. But we actually do have to talk about somebody that was at the uh, the A phase of this team who uh, PFF has ranked top 10 in the NFL. I want to get your thoughts on this list, Hoodie, because PFF ranked the top 10 offensive coordinators in the NFL entering mm -hmm. 2023. Number one on the list, Ben Johnson, Detroit Lions. I can mm -hmm. live with that. I like that. Jared Goff looks like he's a little bit more competent. I think he's going to have a little bit more of a test with his weapons this year, but I like that. Mm -hmm. Number two, Kellen Moore. Three's uh, Bill O'Brien. Well, 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 Kellen Moore, we're going to see, right? Yeah. I, question marks see. on Kellen Moore. But because, and, and here's the thing with Dak Prescott, right? We're talking about Dallas Cowboys. Okay. So this, this season will tell me a greater story than I could ever tell. Is Dak Prescott who he is? Or can someone unlock the mystery of of um, Dak Prescott for him to be better? We're going to find out because at this point in time, my opinion is is that who Dak is is who he is. Can he be more than who he is? We'll see. Well, I mean, he's 
We'll see. He's so weird, right? Because he was with them. He was more aggressive in Dallas. Now he's going to be with the Chargers. Is that going to fix anything? That change anything? Got to find out. We'll find out. Bill O'Brien's three. That's gross. I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Bill O'Brien. Well, that's perfect for the Patriots because that's a familiar face, right? Yeah. I mean, so here's what happens. This is a reclamation project. You go from the Alabama Crimson Tide to the New England Patriots. If you are able to help out Mac Jones at offense, all of a sudden, Bill O'Brien's right back in the mix to be a head coach again. He was not bad with the Texans now. He wasn't. He wasn't. Well, you know, uh, the, the Deshaun helps. Um, I, think, <laughs> I here's, here's what I here's what I will say. Uh-huh. He was a better head coach than he was a GM. I that think he I think he understood that certain things were needed for his quarterback to survive, and he was willing to risk it all for that. And relax. Uh, and uh, risk it all. That's that's on the field. Certain things were needed on the football field for his quarterback to survive. Oh, you meant on the field. Okay, I understand now. Calm down there. I misunderstood. And and, uh, I think he risked a little bit too much to go get that, right? Laramie Tunsil comes in, absolute asset, but now you can't really build up that defense the way you want to, blah, blah, blah. Number five, Ken Dorsey. I'm sorry, number four, we skipped one. Shane Waldron, Seattle. I like that. I I like that where he's at on the list, what he did with Geno. Can't be wrong with that. Um Ken Dorsey is five in Buffalo. Okay. Ken Dorsey, remember him in Miami? My God. And now the offensive coordinator for the Bills. So will the Bills be able to get over the hump? That's a big question, too. Like, everyone's waiting for them to get to the Super Bowl. They're on the precipice of, you know, being able to break through. Let's see what yeah. Ken Dorsey can do. Okay, pretty good at five. Six is enemy. I feel like enemy needs to be higher because, one, expectation. Two, we already know what he can do because he's actually calling the plays. I, there's always this, like, I don't know if Andy Reid, how, how many times Andy Reid has to say it, but he literally was just like, enemy's calling the plays. enemy's calling the plays. But is Andy calling the plays? No, Eric enemy was calling the plays. I think he's going to be able to call plays in Washington. I don't know if he has the talent for them to execute the plays, and that's the question. Nobody believes it. He keeps saying the enemy's calling the plays. But then Andy Reid would also have the pizza menu in front of him as well. So yeah. I think it confused people. Like, are, who is calling the plays? Is that is that what the defense is thinking about on the field? Like, we got two menus out here. Yeah. Who's calling it? Where, where do we look? <laughs> right? uh, I don't like this one. And this this is where, to me, the PFF lists always get funky. Todd Monken's, uh, uh, um for the Ravens is seven. Mm-hmm. He's never called a play. How's he top 10? Uh, Collinsworth must like him. <laughs> is that what it is? That's what, That's what this list is. I mean, what, Chris is, is favorite. Is. Chris is top 10. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these are people that he likes. I mean, it's cool that we're going through the list because we can go back and forth on it, but these are Collinsworth's guys. <laughs> That's what it is. It's not PFF's top 10. Chris nah. is top 10. It's just an intern that's like, give me a top 10 OCs in the league. He's struggling to remember the other 22 of them. Yeah. He just, just throws out the names he knows. Yeah, uh, here's like- where I think Bears fans' ears will perk up. Number eight, Matthew Nagy. Well, that's, well, that's a joke. Top 10? No, that's a joke. That's a joke. Now, Listen. When it comes when it comes to the three and out or the touchdown for Patrick Mahomes and him sitting in Nagy sitting next to Mahomes and saying, "Look at this Microsoft. Look at these pictures. 
you look good when you were able to cock that ball and throw it down the field or when you scramble out of the pocket. I mean, I've seen that a million times with Nagy since he's come back with the Chiefs. The idea that he's just got the Polaroid, he's got the, the you know, it's like, hey, this looked pretty good here. Yeah. As far as calling the plays, we're going to find out, aren't we? We're going to find out because it's either if, if it doesn't work, I'm just predict, I'm just going to predict it now. Somehow, some way during the season, Andy Reid will take that playbook back. Well, that's that's my point with all of this, right? With the Bears, when there was no one to take the playbook back, we saw how it went. Right. It, it wasn't pretty. You're not using guys the right way. You can't come up with a blocking scheme to help Justin Fields in the slightest at last season versus uh, Cleveland in that game. I mean, the, the mindset of, yeah, let's send the 40 year old out of, against Miles Garrett should should have had him with 40 lashes already. But then outside of that, in his time with the Chiefs calling plays, we've heard that Andy Reid took the play calling back and and even right Towards the end when it was, you know, Matt Nagy kind of showing out in the AFC games and and then it gets to the championship game. And all of a sudden when mistakes are made in the second half, oh, no, I was calling the plays. Andy, Andy's, no, I, I was calling the plays. And Matt, Matt gets to Chicago, nope, I was calling it. And we know people were excited about that. He's oh. an honest man. <laughs> we can trust him. He's honest. Then he lied to us for three years in a row. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna find out, right? Matt Nagy calling these plays. If there's something wrong with the offense, you know who I'm gonna point at. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not giving. I'm not shooting him bail anymore. No. I, I can't because, like, we just know what Matt Nagy is. And this, these are the these are the things that irritate me because these are the list that get guys jobs again, and he's gonna ruin some other quarterback. Yep. Like, listen, we all agree Mitch is bad, but Mitch tried. <laughs> The yeah. stories that we heard coming out of Chicago at the end of all of this were insane. He he doesn't show up to a meeting with Mitch Trubisky after the season when Mitch is trying to find out the things he needs to work on in the offseason. Matt's on vacation already. Matt's Matt's in, in Hawaii, you know what I mean, already mm-hmm. waiting it out. Okay. I mean, uh, uh, here, here's, the, here's the keys, all right? Here's the keys. Don't mess up this Lambo. The Lambo being Patrick Mahomes. Do not yeah. mess this up. Yeah. If you mess it up, you're gonna be in trouble. We're gonna put you on timeout. You got a lot I, of keys there, hoodie. What you what are you opening over here, bud? What I, you, have a, I have a lot of I got a lot of homes. A lot of properties. I got a lot, a lot of, of properties for hood. Yeah. Hey, I'm trying to get like you. <laughs> I got a lot of a lot of cars, a lot of properties, a lot, a lot of gates to open around. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> a lot of gates to, I, live, I, I live in the city, so I got a lot of places. I gotta make, put a lot of locks on. So yeah, I, I respect it. I respect it. Number nine, Jim Bob Cooter, just to finish out the list for the Colts. Uh, I just wanted to say that just to say Jim Bob Cooter, uh, always uh, take an opportunity when you can to say his name. Dirty old man. And then uh, number 10 is Brian Schottenheimer with the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to find out, won't we? Like, I just think it's I think it's fascinating that Nagy makes that list in the top 10 when he has not worked with Patrick exclusively in a few years. Remember the Bears stint and now coming back and just showing him pictures. I can't wait to see it. I think that Mahomes can be able to flourish despite whatever Nagy's going to tell him. Like the playbook is the playbook. You just can't screw it up. That's all. Yeah. How many weeks, how many weeks do we realistically give him though? I think that's the funny thing, right? Like I'm just like, Andy's taking it back by week four. Oh, five. Yeah, I, I had it five. I, I had it. <laughs> you yeah. gave him five weeks. I'm like, yeah. Andy's taking it. And here's and here's why. Here's why. Because if there's any, if it might be three, if there's any chance that the Chicago Bears win the game versus the Chiefs, 
that will be the end of Matt Nagy as the offensive coordinator. Pat Mahomes throws two picks. You know what I mean? Bears defense looks as stout. You know, I know it's unpopular to say, but I'll say it anyway because that's what I do. When it comes to Nagy and and Justin Fields, we'll just yeah. I'll just put it there. The Trubisky stuff, I'm putting that to the side. I'm pretending like it didn't happen. But I'm going to go and look at the whole thing with Nagy and and Justin Fields. At the time that Justin Fields had to be pressed in the service and to be able to start against Cleveland, I said at the time, I said, it's not that Justin isn't ready. The Bears aren't ready for Justin. Yeah, you remember this whole thing in the offseason, right? He's not ready. He's not ready. He's not ready. Okay, because. Nagy and the staff didn't get him ready, right? You got to realize that that Justin Fields was a different type of quarterback than what you had on the roster, meaning that, yes, he could be able to throw in the pocket, but also he can run. The way that that was so set up where there was not an extra blocker or two yeah. uh, on the field to protect Justin Fields was just amazing to me. Now, again, hats off to the Browns because the Browns' defense was stout. They were, they were fast, and they were getting after Justin Fields. I get that. But I always thought in the back of my mind, Pat, I'm like, you know what? The Bears aren't ready for, for Justin Fields. They did not have the infrastructure to say, we need a line, we need a, um, a fullback to chip, or we need a couple, an extra running back to chip, or we need, or, or the tight end needs to block. Whatever it was, right? They were not ready for Justin. So the firing was justified because, hey, offensive guru, what do you got for Justin Fields? Not much. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And that's it. It's that's such a great point because when you look at even coming in, right? What what was the number one thing that Matt was doing the entire time? We got a great relationship with Allen Robinson. We love Allen Robinson. The the one weapon that Justin Fields might have had, we find out you're icing him out. We're, we're not having real conversations with this guy. We're not actually trying to build this relationship. You want to know why? Because Justin and Darnell are closer in age. So we want them to be friends. We want them to get close, and and that's going to be our number one, two combo. That was your game plan? Yeah. That was that was the best thing that you could have come. You had Allen Robinson on the right, and I, I get it. He wasn't the same Robinson from the Jacksonville Jaguars even early on with Mitch, but he was sure-handed. You could have got the ball to him if if you if you at least include him in the offense. He he spent an entire season being a decoy. <laughs> and I'll never forget toward the end of his tenure, Nagy was being a smart ass and ran the football ten straight plays. Do you remember this? Was this yeah. on a Thursday night or a yep. Monday night football, something like that, where they like they, he ran the football exclusively? I know? believe it was Monday night. <laughs> uh, I just you know, and I was like, you know what? And, and when he first got here. Nagy didn't get it. He didn't get it. Like, I understand we're meat and potatoes, and we grew up watching the Bears, you know, have a strong defense and run the football. I mean, I know that that's just kind of like the hallmark of Bears football over the years. But the idea that he comes in, I remember that one of those first press conferences, Bears lose, and Potsy or someone asked the question. It's like, hey, it's funny. You, you went away from the run. How come you didn't run the football? And he goes, what for fantasy stats? I mean, what's the whole thing about running the football around here? I keep hearing that because running the football on tall grass works. That's that's why. That's why because the running game matters. The the passing game wasn't doing anything. So so that's why it was good to be able to run the play. He never got that. That was in his first year. It must be for you. Must but you you guys in the media must be a bunch of fantasy guys. No, no, you still got to run the football in the you know as much as you can because the passing game sucked. Yeah. That's why. He never got that. 
My favorite is when he goes, I didn't come here to run the eye. And then like the next week he runs like three eye formation. The eye. He's like, he's like, Wait a minute. Oh, Ron, I thought you weren't here to run the eye. And then here's, Oh my God. The part that kills me about him most was the, the thing that I at least love about flus love about Ryan. They got a plan. This is my plan. My plan doesn't change based off how you guys feel. We're running our plan. We're executing our plan. He would come out after the game and he's like, you guys see I ran that football there? Do you like that? You like that? It's like, are you looking for our validation? Man. <laughs> the head football coach of the Chicago Bears is looking for the validation of, of uh, Courtney Cronin and Mark Potash out in the <laughs> seats asking questions. <laughs> like, I love I love both of them, but my God, come on, dog. Like, it, a joke, a joke of a time. Let, let's, let's get off of this topic before we go too deep down memory lane. I just, and we call it PTSD on uh, Locked On Bulls. That's what we call that. <laughs> Whenever we go, we're just like, remember when we could have gotten a shooting guard and didn't? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's finish it out with this hoodie. We got Lions Week here. Oh, yeah. We're going to bring the episode. Yeah. Oh, you don't have a, uh, a Dale and Terry question for me? Uh, a Dale and Terry uh, hoodie. I mean, I, on the Chicago Bears podcast hoodie, uh, do you feel like Dale and Terry would run the football? <laughs> Dale and Terry is dysentery. That's what that's what he is. Okay, that all right. <laughs> We're getting Terry shots on the pod. <laughs> he does throw that ball long. I'm gonna lie, long passes with the arm. We got to figure that out. Uh, 18th overall pick. Meanwhile, Julian Phillips just got four years guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, when you look at this Lions team, when you look at kind of how this season is going to start off for them, Hoodie, where do you feel like the Lions are going to finish out? A lot of people have talked about them being the class of the division, going through the schedule. I mean, you start week one versus the Chiefs. Matt Nagy's calling plays. Maybe you do get a win. Uh, but I feel like that's going to be a Chiefs win in that scenario. Seahawks week two to me is tough. How you feel? I, I think they could start off the season zero and two. How you feeling about the Lions? I think that um, is first of all. I think they're going to be the class of the division this year, and that might not necessarily with them doing it like in a runaway. That's not what I mean. Yeah. What I'm saying is is that I was really impressed, and I you know I'm not a Dan Campbell fan because I always think if the head coach is putting himself out there too much, then you got a not necessarily a good football team. I mean, I've seen. The Steve, the the, uh, the Weiches, the Glanvilles, the yeah. Rex Ryan's, guys like that that always want to be up, all up in the video uh, and want to be able to tell you what they're thinking. And my whole thing is like, as a football coach, you just chill, right? Yeah. You don't see Mike Tomlin trying to get up all up in the video, being smiley and funny and cute. He's just trying to tell you that he wants his football team to win. And so with Dan Campbell, like I, I, I have to say. I'm not saying that I'm wrong about Campbell yet. I'm just impressed on how they were able to finish out the season. Yeah. Nothing to play for. They go into Lambeau, and they beat the Packers' ass. They didn't have to do that. They were going to be like, ah, we're not in the playoffs. We'll, we'll put some backups in there, kind of evaluate for next year. They didn't do that. They played hard for Campbell. Um, and, you know, he's emotional, Campbell. The hope is, is that the staff around him and the players around him can uh, supersede what Dan Campbell is. I just think I'm not big with the histrionics. I'm just good. I'm good with their football team. I, I have their schedule pulled up. It's going to be very difficult for them to win opening night. I, obviously, the NFL feels good about the Lions and what they did to put them in this spot at Kansas City. It's hard to win at Arrowhead, so that's a loss. Yeah. Taking on Seattle back at home, that's I mean, that's a coin flip for me. Atlanta's trying to make them their way back up. They have Ritter as a young quarterback. They have some pieces, but they're not ready to win yet. At Green Bay will tell a great story because that's on 
Amazon Prime, it's a Thursday night game at Green Bay. Who are you on the road? I know who you were last year. You beat Green Bay. Who are you? Carolina's retooling. Tampa's retooling. Baltimore's still formidable. Uh, Raiders have to figure out who they are post and post car. Um, the bye week's always very difficult because uh, you never know if you win or lose in the bye week. Um, <laughs> the, the Chargers, the Bears, the Packers, the New Orleans Saints. So I think that they can have a good season, Pat. I think that they can win the division. Um, and, but as far as their shelf life in the playoffs, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Um, this is all predicated on offense because they got the weapons, strong offensive line, really de- uh, solid defense. So I'm impressed by what they have. How sustainable it is, I don't know. But think about the landscape. Green Bay with Jordan Love. The Bears trying to make their way back up there again after a three-win season. And um, Minnesota, who I think will make a little bit of a slide back. They were very lucky last year on what they did. So I really believe Detroit uh, should be able to be the winner, hands down, in this division. It's got to be interesting to see. I see a lot of teams on here. I see the the losses that... I think maybe a lot of they're going to have to prove to me are going to be wins, right? Like to me, Baltimore is still a loss. Uh, Chargers is still a loss. I I have more faith in the Seahawks than I do in the Lions, but I think, like you said, that could be a coin flip. Chiefs is still a loss. Um, I think that they will end up splitting with the Bears this season. Probably Saints to me is probably a loss. Broncos revamped is probably a loss. Sean Payton down there now. Yeah. And Vikings, I mean, the Vikings are the Vikings of the Vikings. So you, you never know what that team that that team could be. And they've got a Vikings Cowboys Vikings week on that to finish out the season. That yeah. could be like Kirk Cousins at his best, the best three weeks you're going to get out of them. Or that could be Kirk Cousins at his worst and you sweep them. So it's a coin toss, but I do think that here's the part that does excite me about this season the most. We've done this for the last four weeks, or three weeks, I should say, getting ready for training camp. Nobody seems like they're the best team by a mile. Right. And in the NFL, that's a scary place to be because if you've got the Bears breathing down your neck or you've got the Vikings breathing down your neck going into an important game, Yurko said it best one day he was in here. He said, those are double losses. And the Bears know that and the Vikings know that. And I'm sure I I, I don't know if the Packers take as big of a drop back as, as people are expecting. But yeah. when you're coming into the divisional games this year, this is going to be a fun year for NFC North fans because the divisional games are going to mean so much this season because of how much is going to be on the stage. If you lose one game, that could put you out of it. That's how it's going to be toward the end of the season. I'm glad you scrolled down to the bottom because I didn't see that at the bottom. That bottom, that could determine the division winner. Yeah, that 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 week eighteen. That because yeah. you told you said the Vikings are two out of three weeks, right? Yeah, Vikings, Cowboys. You have uh, Lions versus Vikings. Lions versus Cowboys on December thirtieth, and then Vikings versus Lions again in Detroit to finish it out. Man, I mean, I'm not saying anything about the Vikings that you don't already know. I, I just think that. They were uh, blessed with good luck. You saw that uh, point differential; it was just weak. You saw the giant. Yeah, it's fine. I like. Hey, man. Hey, listen. No shade on them. You need some luck in the National Football League. I'm just saying, like that luck don't happen every year. At some point, Kirk Cousins at offense have to have some skill. And it showed you in that Giants game. It's like, man, that's not the Vikings that many saw in the regular season the best bet in vegas was to bet on the giants in that situation the defense let down for the vikings so we'll see but this don't be surprised that 
you know, during that time, December 30th uh, into January, that that could determine the division winner. We'll see. A hundred percent. I mean, what, what do you have your standings at right now? If you, if you were going to uh, going to be a betting man and, and say, this is how the NFC North is going to finish. How do you have your standings playing out? So it starts with Detroit, uh, then Minnesota, the bears go from three to at this point, I have an, it's seven wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest is seven and a half. So I got it at seven. Um, I have a right to change by the time we get through a training camp, by the way, that might be eight and maybe the bears are second. I have, I have three times to change. Okay. When the schedule first comes out. Yeah. When training camp's over and right before the, uh, the first game of the season for the bears, that's when I, so at this point in time, I had them third in the Packers last. Okay. Yes, I, I, and three to seven wins, by the way, I'm good. Like, I like, Yes, I want them in the playoffs, Pat, but it's just like if you go from three to seven wins or three to eight wins, it's like, wow, you're on your way. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I've said this multiple times. I think that the Bears can win nine. I think their floor is seven. But all I want to see at the end of the season is when that in the hunt thing pops up and they're doing that on Monday night football or Sunday night football every week. Bears, just Bears logo right there. Boom, in the hunt. I need to see that almost every week because I do think the Bears have a very probably back and forth schedule. There's going to be more times than not where the Bears win two games, drop two games, win one game, drop a game. You know what I mean? It's going to be very back and forth. And I kind of I feel that way about almost every team in the division. I mean, looking at the Lions, I think they could drop the first two. They could win the next three. They could or win the next four. They could drop two after that. They could win the next two. You know, like it's it's. The the NFC North to me schedule is very, very balanced. And I think that those divisional games, like you talked about, if the Bears end up taking splitting with the Lions or, yeah. you know, all the division splits, the Bears end up splitting with the Vikings and the Vikings split with the Lions. Like you could be we could be sitting here by the end of this thing like, OK, everybody's, you know, eight and seven. <laughs> what's going to be the determining factor that finishes this thing off? Who's going to be able to close it out? So it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. But Hoodie, we appreciate you coming on the podcast yet again. Always love having the OG on, the man who uh, probably believed in me first. No disrespect to Danny Zetterman, but uh, Hoodie was calling me two years <laughs> before you were. and uh, But he never sent an application. I never – no, just play. <laughs> But as always, man, we appreciate you guys for showing love. Hoodie, where can the people hear you? Where can they find you? And what do you have going on? I'd like for you on the video side to show our social media. Is Eric going there with our social media? Okay. There we go. Okay. So here's what I have a problem with. Like, yes, we're on Twitter. Remember Twitter when it was hot? Ah, Twitter. But, you know, I don't see, like, J-Hood on Spill. Where is where is that at? You got you got the spill. You're a spill guy. Yeah. Where where is where is J Hood on Threads? Where is Pat the Designer on Threads? That's where it's at, man. This is a young show. This is a, I mean, Twitter was once a thing. I remember Twitter, man. It was so cool back in the day. But now I need Pat the Designer on on uh, Threads. Is that Threads? And threads, I yep. and, and I need that J Hood on on Threads. And I need my spill on there as well. Jonathan Hood on spill. <laughs> Are you, you're not on spill yet, are you, Pat? I am on spill. I did get a code, and I'm in on spill. Let me find you. Uh, you got to throw Pat the designer in. First of all, I'm Pat the designer on everything. Nobody uh, nobody else has tried to uh, take that name from me yet, and I will fight them. Uh, but at the end of the day, here's, here's the best thing. I mean, spill is, a, uh, spill is the cookout right now. 
You know what I mean? It hasn't gotten there. Spill is the cookout. You know what I mean? There's a lot of there's a lot going on over on Spill that's just like you you go through there and you're just like, hey man, I'm just trying to chill. Oh, a drink? I I might as well stick around. <laughs> as well, you know what I mean? I mean, that's what I need right now. I need a pet. I mean, I'm on spill. You're on spill. Like this did, but I see it right here. There, there, there Ooh. it is. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, and of course, up, Pat, up. of course, nope. as usual, pets always confuse. Uh, all these social media platforms got me confused. Lol. Hey, there's a lot. They there all is. they all came out aggressive at once. They all- there, there it is. Pet the designer always confused. <laughs> I mean, so I'm I'm hitting the follow button because now there you go. You're serving 19. So now you can follow me. Hey, uh, it's uh, always good. good. It's always good. Got to follow Hoodie back here. I'm not too big for it. We'll do it live on air here if I can find it. See, this is what I'm talking about here. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Oh, there he is, Jonathan Hood. We got to work on the camera angles, Hoodie. We got to get the angles right. We got to get some pro- some professional angles for you with it. We'll get you right on social media. Don't you worry, bud. That's Don't a, you worry. It's a, all, all my angles are good. I got four of them. <laughs> As always, man, we appreciate you guys for showing love. What do you mean? Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. Make sure you guys are tuned in with Cap and Jay Hood Monday through Friday every morning. Y'all stay safe out there. Chicago, the Chicago Bears podcast. I'm Pat the Designer. Bear down. Peace. What about the angle?